The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Na, 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 come on! On this episode of the Heat Check, it's Christmas Day, NBA, marquee matchups. We are going to use that as a jump off for the state of the league based on those teams right now. And let me tell you, it's fascinating to look at what we all and the league, of, of course, because they're the ones that created the matchups, what they thought would be good on Christmas and then what we got instead. Like, so fast things can change uh, and that was only in two months' time. So, we're breaking down Christmas for you. So, Brock, do me a favor and drop that beat. Amazing! Some people are out of it. Anyway... It is our breakdown of the biggest NBA day of the year outside the playoffs. NBA Christmas Day Spectacular. Five games, folks. You're opening your presents, early squirrely, and then you've got five games running from noon to midnight. Showcasing the best of the best of... Yeah, is, is it? The best of the best of the league in front of millions and millions of fans outside of areas of China where the NBA is banned. So what we're going to do today is not just break down those games, because that's kind of boring. We're going to evaluate how well Adam Silver and the league, how well they did at deciding what to schedule, how lit the games were, the state of the teams in that match, because this is supposed to be the best of the best. No scrubs. We don't want no scrubs. A scrub is a team that can't get no love from me, right? Sitting outside of the pad, You know what I'm saying. Anyway, probably people on TikTok don't. So we're going to use Christmas NBA as a way to not just gauge the state of the league, but to also see what might come for these te- 10 teams. So let's start with what I call the uh, disappointment bowl. Hawks Knicks. When when the NBA... So Hawks lost a lot um, to the Knicks, 101-87. Who cares? Um pillow fight in the garden. When the NBA scheduled this game for Christmas Day, they imagined a rematch of Trey Young. Ice cold, shushing the garden, maybe some spit being thrown at him, expletives, racist words. Who knows? Maybe referees falling down on their ass, like excitement. You've got a rematch. You've got new tension, a new 
I, I would call it a new rivalry. And they imagine Kevin Herter turning into Kayvon Herter. Trey, Trey to Collins lob. Trey fake lob to Collins floater. Three after three after three. Offense after offense. Pick and roll. Just nasty. You've got probably, you're imagining Julius Randle, Derrick Rose. And then they got a Hawks team with no Trey Young. Ravaged by COVID and injuries. Hawks offense scored what we were expecting to score, what, 35, 40? In a quarter, they scored 15 in one quarter. Against a Knicks team without Derrick Rose, with Kemba Walker being forced into use after being benched by Tibbs, but he had no other options. Julius Randle, who's been largely terrible all year, just chucking and chucking and chucking some more, to the point where I'm getting texts from friends being like, hey, do you think Julius Randle shoots too much? Just randomly Christmas Day texts. That's what I'm getting. So what the NBA got were two below 500 teams. Two below 500 teams instead of the two top seeds, what we thought maybe with a four and the five seed again. I mean, these are gross teams. These are gross teams. This is probably the worst matchup in hindsight. Like, if we were to reschedule, this would not be on the Christmas slate. You're talking about a 10 seed and 12 seed? No, thank you. P.U. P.U. Yuck. Disappointing, underachieving, injury-riddled, COVID-ravaged, terrible. And I guess I'm wondering, after I watch that, like, can these teams really turn it around? Knicks were a four seed last year, and the Hawks were a couple of games and a referee conspiracy injury away from Trey going to the NBA Finals. And now we saw a battle between teams that, like, I don't know what they are or when they're going to get back, and it's weird. It's, like, safe to say that's not the way that the NBA envisioned it getting kicked off. And then Kith, this is how you know it was a whole thing, Kith, the fashion brand, had a whole Knicks-Kith collaboration rollout that came out an hour before tip. So you know it was supposed to be a thing, and it's like, you've got Kith who normally sells out. They can't get rid of those fucking sweatshirts. They're still there on the website right now. And they're usually selling fast. They're on StockX before you know it. No, like I think a lot of people thought this game would be dope, and it was not dope at all. Uh, and then remember that Christmas under theory? The NBA always goes under because people don't play as hard on Christmas Day because they miss their family and they're begrudgingly there. This was the only game on the slate that went under. So going forward, I'm pretty optimistic about the Hawks compared to the Knicks because, I mean, they have everybody there. The same guys. If they're capable of doing what they did last year, They're capable of doing it again. It's just a matter of chemistry. It's a matter of injuries. It's a matter of COVID. Hopefully they get COVID enough that they, by the playoffs, are fine. Like, I just want them to get COVID two, three times so that by April we're good to go. Uh, And then the Knicks, I mean, they're mostly healthy. They had almost everybody there except for Emmanuel Quickly and maybe one other guy that I don't even remember, so he's not that significant. They have significantly regressed. R.J. Barrett is not... He was supposed to take steps up past where he was last year, which was pretty good, and now he's taken another step back. Not great. His three-pointers are down. You know, Julius Randle, after the big extension, his numbers are down. Quentin Grimes, he's a nice find. Like, he's probably the bright spot. He's a wing that can defend. He can put up points. He can assist. He had, I want to say, five five steals, five rebounds, five assists off the bench. Uh, 
but I don't know if he's going to make this team significantly better. They, they signed Evan Fournier. I mean, what do you want? Can they find a way to make Kemba fit and play defense? Probably not. I mean, without a major move at the deadline, the Knicks are a flash in the pan. Nice little story that I had to say to my friend when they said, hey, do you think Tibbs is going to get fired after the season? I had to say, please don't say that. No, don't. Don't, because it's a possibility, and that breaks my heart for Tibbs. This is supposed to be his last stop. You know, he was supposed to get the Boston Celtics job because he largely built the house that was the dynasty of the Celtics that got ravaged by LeBron. But, like, that's him. You know, he was supposed to get that job and and not Brad Stevens, right? And no, like, he doesn't get the job. And so, and maybe he would have gotten the job again if it wasn't for the success that he had on the Knicks when they hired Ime Udoka. It just hasn't been great for Tibbs. The timing for him has been awful. And now it's unclear as to whether his longevity will be there. I mean, but it's really not his fault. Like, because Leon Rose and World Wide West are the ones that got rid of Reggie Block and brought in Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier is not very good. Evan Fournier is basically more of how I would describe him. At least we knew one thing was certain. The disappointment bowl did deliver. The only under and more disappointment. And you've got the Knicks winning one of their first games out of the last 10. So congratulations to you, Knicks. Congratulations. As you can tell, I'm not excited about that matchup whatsoever. Uh, Celtics, 113 to Bucks 117. I mean, the Celtics are trash. They probably shouldn't have even been considered in this day. Like, if out of the 10 teams playing on Christmas Day, the only one not deserving to even be in the conversation is the Celtics. It should have absolutely been Embiid in the Sixers versus the Bucks instead of a sub-500 seed in Boston. I think Adam Silver was kidding himself to think that the Celtics would turn things around with an Ime Udoka and a Dennis Schroeder and who else did they add? The Josh Richardson? I don't know. Not anybody that I can think that was going to move the needle. They got rid of their only fun piece in Taco Fall. Like, he's gone. He was a nice little thing to look forward to seeing here and there in in splashes and spurts. Like, he's now in the starting rotation in Cleveland. And I tell you what, props to Taco Fall, you know? I don't know what he was thinking, basically. Adam Silver could not have actually believed this was going to be a three or four seed in the East. But, I mean, he had to have if that's why he put him there. A lot of star power. Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown, Robert Williams, and no one else. Uh, and, like, so Boston fans are probably so delusional that they'll, they'll be the ones that will watch actively. It was in TD Garden as well, which made it even more sus to me. Like, there's even more sus. So, yeah, more of the same, as it turns out. Typical Boston game. Like, they got out early. You're thinking, oh, my God, is this a good team? And then they just choked on their meat, like, late. They did. That's what they did. 15-point first-half lead, Bucks 47 points, and then they pissed away the entire lead, ending up scoring 19 points only in the fourth quarter, and they lose by four. And it was, like, sort of dramatic at the end, but not really. They had 113-111 lead with a minute left, and then they just didn't score again. They just didn't score again. That's them. It's the Bucks, though, that should get credit for this gritty win. 
With the possible exception of KD, I don't know that anyone plays in bigger games and gets up more for them than Giannis. Like, what you saw from Giannis in the finals, and that tra- it was nothing short of a transformation. Like, that's what it was. He turned himself into a 90% free throw shooter with, a, with some knee injury that I don't know if it was real or not. But anyway, like, he transformed him into a point guard free throw shooter overnight and that's him he's got ice water in his veins he put up 36 12 and 5 he had a huge block on Robert Williams with 12 seconds left on the clock putting the entire team on his back showing that okay we are still very very good when we need to be which is on nationally televised games that everyone is watching and in the playoffs Outside of that, not really sure what you're going to get from them. But that's what the NBA wanted. So not like a horrible game to schedule when it goes down to the wire. But even Adam Silver had to have known that the Boston were going to puke on their own shoes. Like they had to have. With giving given enough like advanced notice, hey, this is what you do, Boston. Just like look great and then puke. Yeah, they, they choked it away. If folks in, that are fans of the Boston Celtics don't know this by now, Well, this was an opportunity in front of millions upon millions upon millions of fans, nationally audience, like everyone's watching. There's nothing else open. You can't even get coffee anywhere. It's just you and your family on a a little like cold afternoon day watching the Celtics choke on their own meat. Like that's it. What am I going to do to predict the Celtics? Nothing. Like I'm not going to. It's going to be the same. Unless they trade Jalen Brown, this team is garbage. I don't know. Like, you got to trade Marcus Smart. Can't have him be the point guard. This team is not good. They've never been good. They had one little nice run in which other teams choked. So this year is a wash. As for the Bucks, they're going to the finals. This is, that's what I know. Dante DiVincenzo is coming back. Brooke Lopez, the new news is that Brooke Lopez will be back well before the playoffs. So Brooke Lopez coming back from already had back surgery. He's coming back well before the playoffs. You got Dante DiVincenzo back. He didn't even play outside of the first round last year. You've got a dog in Grayson Allen. He's there. You got multiple new pieces. Wes Matthews contributing. This team is easily the best in the East. I don't think it's close. I don't care what you say about the Nets. That's just what it is. And like they're gonna skate through. They're this is gonna go be a skate skate through. And with the Hawks being a disappointment. I think the only team that really will give them fits is the Cavs. I think the team that's going to really give them fits is the Cavs. No, I know. This team is 100% finals bound unless me saying it mushes them. (laughs) Warriors 116, Suns 107. I mean, we got lucky. We got lucky. I don't know that Adam Silver knew that this was going to be as good as it was because there's just no chance that he thought that the Warriors would be a one or a two seed in the West and that without Clay Thompson that they would be just just demolishing everyone, just like a buzzsaw through the rest of the league. Like this is the matchup everyone wants, wanted, and didn't even know that they wanted. Like we all now on Twitter, hey, need seven of this, seven of this, seven of this. Like I need this to be the Western Conference Finals. That's what it is. He pulled, Adam Silver pulled this matchup out of his ass, let's be honest. It's Steph, and at that point, plumbers, right? At that point, it's Steph, Draymond, and like Otto Porter. You think that's a good idea? You think that's a good move? Was. Otto Porter fucking bald. Like, this isn't, wasn't even a rivalry game. These two teams didn't even play in at all in the playoffs last year. 
Like, it would have made more sense if it was Lakers-Warriors, which is what they did in the opening game, or if it was Warriors-Grizzlies. I mean, you have to put the Suns in there somewhere, but, like, maybe it's maybe it's Suns-Bucks, and then you've got Warriors-Grizzlies instead as, like, a little, like, up-and-comer thing. But this made sense, even though at the time when the matchup was scheduled, it didn't make no damn sense. And boy, was it a home run. I tell you what, like these teams have played three times in the span of a month, and none of them were disappointments. Like they're getting up for all of them. It has the intensity of a playoff game. The first game, probably the best regular season game I've seen in a very long time. I literally brought bags and bags of popcorn to watch it. Uh, coaches making changes, alterations, chess match happening in game. You've got literally guys going to zone in the middle of the game. Like, you just don't see this. So, and then also, by the way, probably the reason that the Warriors ended up destroying the Suns on Christmas Day was because they were low-key, actually high-key pissed that they didn't get to play at home. They're like, this is the second game in a row now that we've played Christmas Day on the road, and this is our ninth Christmas Day game in a row can we get a home game or no and they're like yeah you know but the Suns were in the finals and you were not you were not in the playoffs so fuck off like the last two years you guys have been blipped like you guys like in the Marvel land you Thanos snapped his fingers did the rock thing and you guys were just nowhere like you were not a team that existed in the standings and so you come back prove yourself maybe we'll give you a home game next year and that's what happened this is what Kerr said It's an honor to play on Christmas. It's a showcase and everybody's watching. But I do think there should be a rule that you can't be on the road two years in a row. Just making it clear, last year we were in Milwaukee and this year we're in Phoenix. Doesn't seem right. (laughs) I would imagine. Draymond said, well, hey, I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old and a one-year-old. I'd like to spend some time at home with my kids, too. We're not playing against the defending champion. Oh, my God, Shade. They did go to the playoffs. Or they did go to the finals. If we're playing against the defending champion, you understand it. But we're not. (laughs) It's a bit frustrating. I have to go on the road a second year in a row. So now I miss my daughter's first Christmas, and I miss her second one. It's kind of fucked up. But that's the reality. That's what we're faced with. You have to do your job, but we're human beings. So like I said, I missed her first one. I'll miss her second one. I can't that explain that to her. So it sucks. We're not robots. We're not machines. We're actual human beings with actual feelings and with actual families. Draymond Green was hot. Hot. And so with even without Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, Damian Lee, Andre Iguodala, Moses Moody, who, who cares? And of course, Clay, I wrote down on my notes Moses Moody parentheses who cares I just wanted everyone to know for the record who cares honestly that's he was out but no but that is not meaningful and then you they were six point dogs six point dogs on the road and they blew the Suns out in Phoenix without anyone Otto Porter folks who I call a non-factor lovingly had 19.6 rebounds, three assists, and a steal. Jesus Christ, Otto Porter, on a minimum deal, playing like a fucking all-star, like he used to be before he got hurt when he was a Washington Wizard. I had people in my mentions. This is so funny. This is how well the Warriors played. I had people in my mentions that cover the Warriors that said, this isn't really much of a rivalry in the playoffs. It will be 
Golden State in four. Like, that's how bad the Warriors destroyed the Suns on Christmas Day, is now they don't even think it's a real rivalry. They don't even think they should bless the Phoenix Suns with a seven-game series. Like, legendary? How could you even say this was legendary? We didn't have anyone, and we fucking pounded them with all of their stars playing. That's what they're, you're high as fuck, Warriors fans. Like, if you don't think Monty Williams is going to go in and play chess, and also, and also, it begs, like, the, it begs the question, like, did the Suns just say, we're only going to put all of our vanilla stuff out? We know we're going to play them in the playoffs. Why would we blitz Steph? Why would we show what we want to do to Steph when we play him in the playoffs? Why would we want to give them anything other than just normal go out and play scrimmage, regular season hoop? We've already beat them once, and they beat us without book. We beat them with, without book in the first game. They beat us without book second game. Third game, eh, that is what it is. Like, why roll out all of the stops if you know you're going to play this game, this team seven games? Otherwise, then Steve Kerr just knows what you're up to. So that's so much fun. Uh, two of the best three teams in the league outside of the box. And I think it showed that the Warriors are a fucking wagon. Truthfully, without all their guys, it doesn't matter what you showed, what you didn't show. You got your ass handed to you at home with a bunch of scrubs like Otto Porter. Like, that's, it is what it is. Like, I can make excuses up for them, but they just couldn't get it done. And something tells me that this is not the last time we're going to see this game in primetime on Christmas Day. I think this is going to be a year after year after year thing. Uh, Nets, 122. Lakers, 115. It seems close, doesn't it? But it wasn't. This Lakers team, as you know, as I've said, as I continue to say and will continue to say, is garbage. Like, it's so garbage, LeBron is just out here lying at press conferences, which I'll get to. The game that everybody was dead certain should be the last game of the night. Like, this is the two teams that should go to the finals, yada, yada. Lakers are so good. The Nets now have Kyrie Harden and and KD. It's, like, meant to be. This is what we would call the chalk matchup. Like, I fucking hate chalk teams like Kansas that always underperform, and that's what this was. It's like, oh, my God, Brooklyn Nets, big three, L.A. Lakers, LeBron James, and then they, like, and then they're like, LeBron, KD, match up on Christmas Day. It's like, this is garbage. KD didn't even play. It did not work out like they thought. Let's just say that. Like, Adam Silver, when he booked this, he was like, yo, I killed this matchup. And no Kyrie, no KD, fat James Harden, LeBron out here doing everything. Here was the starting five of the Nets. Peyote Claxton. Bruce Brown, Patty Mills, James Harden, and DeAndre Bembry. DeAndre fucking Bembry starting on Christmas Day in primetime. Should not be. Should not be. And then on the other side of the court, it was LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Dwight Howard, Wayne Ellington, and Taylor Horton Tucker. Yeah. And then this is the same Lakers team that is sub-500 – playing in primetime against a fat James Harden with a few stray milkmen that decided to show up in Nets uniforms. Like, what are we doing? And shockingly, shockingly, the Lakers got the doors blown off. Like, Nets were up 20 going to the fourth. This game sucked. Like, I did not watch. 
uh, I left. I left in the middle of it, and the re- Lakers rallied. But, like, I see that they lost, what, by seven? No, they didn't. Like, that's just not the case. Like, that's what it says, but you got your doors blown off. And it was never close. Every net starter was plus five or better. The plus five was Harden, who had 36, 10, and 10. The Lakers single-handedly allowed a fat James Harden to come out of his season-long slump. They woke the sleeping bear into, like, triple-double on Christmas night, where he's literally trolling the Lakers, being like, safe to say, today was a good day. In L.A., literally dropping Ice Cube references with photos of him bamming on the Lakers on Christmas Day just to be like, hey, we owned you. LeBron, epic night, 39-9-7. and And Russ, Russ had a, a perfect Russell Westbrook primetime Christmas game stat line. Four for 20 from the field, rim-checking himself on a dunk that then goes massively viral after the game. He then proceeded to shower and leave. Never did the post-game presser. Shocking. And then LeBron had to fill in and basically play Captain Save-A-Ho to, LeBron, to, to Russell Westbrook, making up excuses about how Russ continuously impacts the game outside of just scoring. Like, cue the Ben Simmons notes, folks. Like, hey, you don't understand. Russ is a really special player. Like, you don't know all of the things that he does for our team. Like, that's what's going on. That's, this is what LeBron had to say. What are you asking? I don't quite understand your question. I guess I mean, uh, okay, Coach Fizz was just saying, you know, he, he, he's feeling a lot of pressure with guys out. Um, maybe my question is, do you see that as well, and do you see that affecting how he plays? Um, I think at offshoot night. I mean, um, he missed so many shots around the rim that he'd been accustomed to making throughout his career throughout the season. Um, so um, not worried about too much of that. Um, you know, I think his decision-making was spectacular tonight. He had 11 assists. You know, he had 12 rebounds, five of them offensive. Uh, and we know we're not one of the better offensive team, offensive rebounding teams in this league. So um, he gave us extra possessions. He just missed a lot of um, looks around the basket, which I know that he can't stand as well. But, um, you know, as far as the effort piece, um, if a guy plays hard and a guy leaves it on the floor, we got no problem with that. Let's make a miss league. Also, during that presser, uh, nobody's going to feel sorry for you. Nobody's going to feel sorry for our record or nobody's going to feel sorry for guys. Because everybody, you know, besides, I think, like Golden State and Phoenix, everybody has guys out, you know. So, um, you know, you just got to, you know, when you get your opportunity, you get your number called, just make the most of it um, and go out and play, play our system. And it's even challenging for some of the guy, new guys because, you know, they haven't been in the system long enough to know exactly what we want to execute. But, you know, tonight they just, you know, they just play hard. DC came in, played extremely hard. Obviously, um, you know, Stanley came in, and then also Malik, even though he's been a part of our system, been out for, you know, two weeks. So it was just good to have that, that um, you know, that energy um, that we was able to, to, to give our fans and our fans just give it back to us. Excuse me. Pause. Uh, that night, which we discussed earlier, this is now LeBron James just making random things up. Golden State on Christmas Day had Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, Andre Iguodala, Damian Lee, Moses Moody, Wiseman, and Clay all out. They might be one of the most significantly impacted and decimated teams, and I do not know why LeBron James is lying. Or maybe he's just because Golden State seems like they're still a wagon with eight guys that are normally in the starting rotation out. 
So that's where the Lakers are right now. Like they are to the point where not only is LeBron James caping for Russell Westbrook and lying about who has full rosters, he's also playing center on defense and point guard on offense. Like that's not a lie. I didn't make that up. That's not for jokes. That's facts. He that is absurd. Here's where I remind folks: he's 37 on Thursday. Happy birthday, LeBron James. And he complained about, like, I just don't understand. And then David Fisdale had to come out, uh, interim coach right now because uh, Frank Vogel has COVID, another person who has COVID. He said, hey, they were like, how do you think you can fix this? And his response was, we can clone LeBron James. Do you guys know any scientists? Can we make a duplicate? I don't know. That's where we're at. That the only solution to the Lakers is something scientifically impossible. I don't know. And I'm not even sure two LeBrons make this team a championship contender. I don't know. Like two 37-year-old LeBrons? I don't know. Just I need some shooters here. Let's get back to Russ. If you ask someone if they wanted Russ... Because there's a lot of people who are like, Trista, you're mean to Russ. And I love Russ. And I always preface everything that I say about Russ to say he's one of the hardest working guys in the league. And that's something that you cannot, you cannot discount because there are so many talented athletes that don't try nearly as much as Russ. And they're like, well, you don't understand all of his gifts. Like, you don't get it. You're just mean because he doesn't shoot the way you want him to, blah, blah, blah. And, and, GM say that too. And to that I say, I agree. Russ has a lot of special gifts. But do you want to take on Russell Westbrook as your marquee point guard for $46 million each year for the next two years where he is your primary ball handler, scorer, facilitator? Do you want that? Because I'm all here for the Russell Westbrook party. I love Russ. But I... For no seconds want him on my team. Like, none. I like watching Russ like a Tasmanian devil through glass in the Sahara, right? I don't want him in my house. He's going to break shit. I only want to see him in the wild. Like, that's where Russ belongs. Rucker Park. That's where he belongs. Like, he does not belong as a marquee point guard. If you want to pay Russell Westbrook $7 million to come off the bench and provide a spark... At this stage, totally fine on any roster. I think everybody would would agree. But he's making $46 million a year, impacting the team's flexibility to do anything about winning. And then when he fails, he does not end up hanging around the team whatsoever. He just hits the showers and fucking leaves. That's Braun is defending him like he's in a slump. But that is who Russ is. We love Russ because he's the most prolific chucker in 15 years. He will not stop shooting no matter what. I mean, and here's not what's being, here's what's not being discussed nearly enough. This is not a Russ problem. This is a Rob Palinka problem. Rob Palinka is, what's a synonym to trash? He is so inept. He is, he is so significantly over his head at his job that he allows his marquee stars to make decisions for him. Like, the greatest mistake a GM can make is that thinking just because they have a player who's a Hall of Famer, has an incredible mind for basketball, 
and understands the game in a way that someone who's never played it at that level never can doesn't mean that they know shit about constructing a roster of people who fit together with chemistry and all the things that you must do in order to win basketball games. That's not what they do. They play their individual role and they help make their teammates better. They don't know how to draft. They don't know how to scout. They don't know how to fucking recruit the right players to create a roster that makes sense. And that's what happened. Like, Rob Polinka listened to LeBron when LeBron James said, I need Russ, and he did it like a fucking lemming. That's what he did, and he deserves to be held accountable for that. Not LeBron. That's not LeBron's fault. LeBron can say his piece, and then a GM with a spine can say, no, that's not what we're doing here. Love you. We're creating friction like this. We're going to get through this, but we're not bringing this chucker who makes $46 million, who doesn't shoot at all, onto a team with you to create space or no space for you. No. Like, they needed DeMar DeRozan. They need a playmaker, yes, to give LeBron uh, a break. But they also need a playmaker that can shoot. And Russell Westbrook cannot shoot. And Bron was recruiting everyone. Like he was trying to tell Damian Lillard, I want you. You know, Bradley Beal, I want you. It was like The Bachelor. He was giving everybody roses in the early stages, and we don't even know who LeBron wants to be his wife. Obviously, Russell Westbrook, who it's not working out. And what he needs is different than what he wants. I'm sure he wanted Russ to come home and it to be a nice story and the Brody to be there and them to just be rocking out, drinking wine, and eating tacos. But this is bad. And this is all Plinka's fault. And he's a former agent who his entire reason for existence as a Laker GM is just because Kobe put him there. And nobody talks about that nearly enough. Is It's nepotism. It was a relationship with a snake who does a terrible job. I know I'm just like laying into Rob Plinka, but he really is not good. If you dissect, which we have in the past, all of the decisions that Rob Plinka has made, he took and dismantled a team that won a title. All of the things that they did well in 2019, 2020, when they won in the bubble, a Mickey Mouse ring, as people call it. All of those things, they just worked for the last two years to dismantle. Like, all of the good things are now gone. And what you have left is a $46 million Russ and a million quadrillion contract with LeBron James. And now you, it's so bad that people are saying he should force his way back to Cleveland. So, and they're not joking at all, whatsoever. Um, Mavs, Jazz. I think this is a strange fit. I think when Adam Silver scheduled the Mavs and Jazz on Christmas, people thought Luka would emerge as an MVP candidate coming off the Olympics with Slovenia. Run away. But, you know, and what we saw what Luka did in the playoffs was tremendous against the Clippers. He can ball. And then, you know, let's be real. Probably the Clippers would have been playing the Jazz if it wasn't for Kawhi getting injured. Or if the Nuggets had a healthy Jamal, we might see Jazz play L.A. or we might see the Jazz play Denver. But, alas, Luka, who draws a shitload of eyeballs, was their consolation prize. Whoops. Because uh, no Luca on Christmas Day. He's been out pretty much all season with either an ankle injury, COVID, or obesity. Like, pretty much all three of those are comorbidities for one another. Uh, so that's how it's been. And what we ended up, though, was getting probably maybe one of the best games of the day, surprisingly. I don't know how I didn't know that I needed a steady dose of Jalen Brunson. But I did. He had 27-2-6. Uh, had Przingis continuing his I Hate Rick Carlisle tour. 
He had 27, 9, and 3. And fucking Frank Nilekina, legend, Nick's legend, uh, had 17 points. Discarded Nick and Frank Nilekina. The Jazz, they won. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is playing out of his mind right now. He's out for two games now with a back strain. But I think the thing that's the most interesting to me about this game moving forward is that the Mavs without Luka competed with the Jazz all the way to the end. And the Jazz have tons of talent. They have sharpshooters. They're getting healthy. They got Bojan. Bojan had 25 points, four rebounds and a steal, four for eight from three. My man, Bojan back. I mean, that should not be. That sh- the Jazz are a three seed, and the Mavs are all over the place. Like, on any given day, they're somewhere new on the standings. And... This is why I continue to question the Jazz. Frankly, they have, do they have what it takes to make a real deep run? Because if your team can allow Jalen Brunson to give you the business, to Frank Nilakina to give you the business, Dorian Finney-Smith to give you the business, Rudy Gobert had only 10, 11, and 1. That's unacceptable. That is, un- you are 7 feet tall and it's supposed to be like defensive player of the year, and Porzingis gave you all the buckets. All of them. Rudy plays well against traditional centers and against guys that he needs to switch on and off of. He struggles. Like, flex lineups like the Clippers, like the Mavs, like, when they run at him, he's a liability. So, while it was a fun game, to me, it showed me, probably this game showed me the most about a team and where they're headed. I think the Jazz are headed for a first or second round exit. Like, they need the one seed as bad as I need some free bet credits on my BetMGM account. Like, they need that because otherwise they're getting bounced. Like, if they are a three seed and they play a six seed in the Mavs with a healthy Luka, healthy Luka on the Mavs on Christmas Day would have beat them. They literally had to fight and claw to beat a fucking trash Mavs team with... Dorian Finney-Smith? Like, okay. So they are in trouble. And Luca and the Mavs are in a lot better spot than even I think they knew considering where the West is right now, which is probably the softest that it's been in five years. So what do we make of these Christmas days? Fun day. We didn't have Omicron completely destroy Christmas, which was nice. Uh, it shows you, and I think the thing too is it shows you how fast and and like how immediate you can see teams rise and fall. Like we saw the Hawks and the Knicks look so good, and we imagined that it would continue. Especially the Knicks, who really didn't make a ton of changes. Especially the Hawks didn't make a ton of changes, right? And in the age of COVID, you've got injuries, you got COVID, and things just flip on their head faster than you can even look up. Like, I thought that the Warriors weren't going to be good until they got Clay back. The Warriors with, like, Milkmen are really, really good because of the coaching that they got, because of how healthy they've been, because of the Draymond Green being the leader and bringing back Andre Iguodala, all these things that shows you how the league can be so interesting. And and again, like the Orlando Magic, you, you have hope. Like, teams, you can go up and you can go down in a matter of two months. You know, the I honestly thought the Knicks would be great. Thought that they could probably take another step up 
from four seed to three seed. And now they might miss the playoffs all together. Uh, and that's what makes this league so interesting. I think you can find new teams on Christmas Day, and I hope that we find, I hope that we see the Cavs on Christmas Day again without LeBron James to rub it in his face. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back Wednesday morning early with a new episode. Uh, we'll be talking more about the Kings and Alvin Gentry just completely not giving a fuck anymore. He's just railing on them, uh, completely embarrassed by their lack of effort. So don't forget to download, subscribe, tell all your friends. Follow us on the Heat Check, this Heat Check, and Trista Crick on TikTok. We will see you folks Wednesday. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.